All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Mike Scott. Uh, you might know me as the host of the Action or the Adkins Undisputed Podcast, the most complete Scott Adkins podcast in the world. We are here with, I gotta be honest, we're workshopping the title a little bit. Right now we're calling it the the Action Podcast Hour, but we're workshopping it just a little bit. Uh, but we are here because we wanted to just have a place where we could shoot the shit about some action. And uh this idea was actually sort of created spearheaded uh by uh one of our very good friends uh he is the one that reached out to me he's the one that reached out to our other co-host on this this was his idea so i am more than happy to kick it over to him liam o'donnell how are you today my friend i'm doing great mike i'm happy to be here and yeah i basically you know i i remember last time we talked and we had our podcast and i enjoyed so much on, on atkins undisputed and, you know, I, I really just enjoy our interactions on Twitter and online in general. And you kind of always had this saying that action Twitter is the best Twitter. And I was like, it would just be great to have a sort of hangout podcast that I could listen to over the weekend that would catch me up on, on what everybody is doing in that sphere and how everybody's feeling about things, what people are excited about. And uh, and kind of catch up, learn more about action movies, learn more about things that I've missed in the past and, and movies that are coming up. So, uh, you know, you and uh, and our, our and our other co-hosts were the first people that popped to my mind. And it might as well. It's a good place to introduce Mr. Vice Victus. You're yeah, uh, what's going on, guys? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to. Well, hey, uh, yeah, you guys asked me on to this uh, brand new illustrious podcast uh, in the making. So uh, I'm just going to. You know, I always talk shit on Twitter, you know, with, I always have my kind of my finger on the pulse, as they sometimes say, but, you know, I'm usually just giving the finger, but, uh, you know, it's all in good fun, all in good spirits. So I'm um, going to be here to help uh, kind of, you know, round out the whole uh, effective for now as it is of uh, the action Twitter experience, but uh, in podcast form uh, and, you know, have a hopefully um, as the thing goes, we hope a uh, weekly or periodic update about all things action and, you know, adjacent stuff like that as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think the idea is we're just we're just going to kind of have a conversation here and we're going to keep this short and and breezy and and the idea is just we're trying to bring that sort of action Twitter vibe to a podcast format. Um it's not going to be based on any one particular movie. We're just going to kind of go through and talk about the state of action. Um so uh Liam just, guess, just dudes being dudes talking about action. Yeah, yes. just dudes being dudes talking about action. Um but uh you know we certainly are hopeful that uh, we will also not always just have dudes. We might we might occasionally get some some other people listening, some ladies listening. I uh, everyone can be dudes in that everyone can definition. be dudes. Exactly, yes. exactly. Yes. Like our good friend Jordan Cruciola. Yes, dude as hell. Love Jordan. Hell. She is dude as hell. Yeah. <laughs> uh so Liam, uh your your show, what do you want us to start talking about? Well, there was obviously a huge trailer premiere this week. Um, sent shockwaves through the action Twitter verse, and of course, we are talking about One Shot, uh, the the new Scott Atkins film coming out in November that is directed by Mr. James Nunn. Um, I've gotten an opportunity to get to know James over the past year. I was supposed to be directing a shark movie called The Wreck. And he had just done a shark movie in Malta with the, the same crew pretty much last year. 
And so I reached out to him, very sweet and generous guy. Like, you know, I've done that before on different projects and people kind of, um, you know, can be cool, but I just was taken by how, how much kind of time and, and information he had for me. That was really, really helpful. And uh, I hadn't actually seen any of his movies at that point. And so I was like, wow, I, I got to catch up on, on what James is doing. And um, also kind of continually educating myself on the Atkins verse. Um, I went and saw Eliminators recently, which I thought was really, really cool. Sort of a, um, a very lean Terminator, like the original Terminator vibe going on in that one. And I talked to him a little bit afterwards where I was like, one of the things I really appreciated were, were his um, hair and wardrobe choices for Scott. Um, Cause it, you know, that's kind of the stuff that like is hit or miss in, in some of the movies when I feel like the directors don't have the greatest, like, um, you know, taste. Whereas I was like, man, great jacket in Eliminators, fantastic jacket on him. And it was just the right amount of stubble and the hair looked right. Um, and so those are the kind of things that I had to take away on that. I also thought um, James Cosmo, who I got to work with, uh, was, was awesome in that as well. So um, I was really excited to see this trailer. I'd heard from a bunch of different people involved in the making that they're really, really happy with the movie, including James himself. Um, and I thought what the, the interesting thing about it was that the trailer did not really sell the major conceit of the movie, that it's all in one take, uh, all in, in one continuous shot. But that was kind of impressive to me, too, because it showed that this, you know, seemingly one lens is getting all these different size shots. There's a bunch of close ups. There's a bunch of wides. There's a bunch of different types of, uh, of action all being captured in this in this one kind of shot idea. So it made me more curious about the movie. Nice. Yeah, it's, yeah let's say it's um, I think uh, one point of contention people might have is that. The one-shot device itself is kind of well, contentious. There's too much of a gimmick, um, and you know, there's uh, there's some truth to that, and that it, you know, it can be overused, or just maybe more of the fact that like any any tool, any device, if it's not used properly, you're gonna always gonna get bad results. And I think maybe like uh, you know, it's arguable that maybe half and half the time it's been used, it's been the poor poor effect. Um, I know it might for my uh, liking recently uh, one of the more bigger or uh, bigger profile ones. Uh, films using this one take device is the well in parts of it at least is the extraction uh it was on netflix starring uh, you know the chris hemsworth and uh, directed by sam hargrave and there's a, a specific uh, one long extended action sequence the actual extraction or the expression of it you know i thought it was very impressive you know very well done you know it's very gripping exciting and you know but still there's a lot of people say you know i just say it's just a cheap gimmick you know you still have to, you still have to make a story at the end of the day you still have to have you know characters and have actual clients in some format. So I think, um, I know from what I've seen here, you know, it's, we're not, you know, this is not a, well, you know, we know we're getting to here. This is a Scott Atkins, you know, DTV streaming action, you know, like package. We know what we're in for here. So it's like, I don't have to say that it's, and to be clear, that's not a matter of quality or uh, or of, more like a factor of scope and scale per se, you know, whereas, Sam Hargrave and has has the Russo's last Marvel money, you know, the Marvel laundered money, I guess you could say. <laughs> but uh, but uh, you know, he has those resources at his disposal, plus you know the actor himself. Whereas, but uh, in our in this case, we all know the gods, God Atkins. We know what he can do, and we know uh, how we know um, nuns. You know, like uh, he has a pretty just really solid handle on how to go for the jugular and just get action. You know, 
you know, I look at the jumpers among people, aside from Illuminators, he did uh, the Marine sequels, the latest sequels, Marine 5 and 6, which, you know, <laughs> people will laugh at those, but as far as, uh, uh, well, a little bit of tangent here, uh, there are certain franchises, that films that become franchises on DTV that are actually really spectacular in, the, in, the, in that own right. Like, for example, we've, of course, the great uh, Undisputed series started off as a really cool Walter Hill joint and became a, a badass action DTV series and watched Film. Same with uh, the Sniper films, you know, Tom Berenger back in the early 90s. That one film was really solid, you know, in the era, in the era of Tom Clancy, Clear Prison Dangers, Harrison Ford era, became a pretty solid, long-running DTV series. Uh, Marine, same thing, starring, you know, John Cena when it first came out. Uh, but again, it came, it, 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 characters changed throughout the course of it, and it was a really solid action series. So that having said that, all that, you know, I, again, we know what we're in for, we know what to expect. So I'm all, I'm all on board, you know. I have you know, long qualms about any kind of device or because I know the people involved have the talent and have the skill. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm all set. I'm all for this. Yeah. I, I, um, so I have seen the movie. I am, uh, at the time we're recording, I'm embargoed from saying what I really think about it. Uh, but I, I tweeted out, you know, everybody should make sure to mark their calendars for November 5th when it comes out. Uh, I think that says enough. The one thing I will say is, is vice. I agree with everything you're saying, like the one take gimmick and, and to be clear, just so everybody knows uh, when we're talking about a one take movie, uh, we're not talking about an actual one take movie because sure. Russian arc is basically the only one take movie that exists. I'm sure there's two or three others, but you know, 1917 or running time or, or even Hitchcock's rope, you know, what we're talking about is very long takes cut together to make it look like it's a sing single continuous shot. Sure. I I've had to correct some people on that because I've had to explain to them that trying to do a action movie in one single take would not only be impossible, it would be unbelievably dangerous, right? Like right, right. that, <laughs> that many squibs and pyro and stuff like that all in one take. No, but, uh, Oh, oh actually, okay. Interject, uh, I do think recently there was one that I, I, well, you can correct me if I'm wrong. If they did actually go through the whole like technical premise with the, uh, tech, Sakaguchi's Japanese or martial arts film. Yep. Uh, yep. Yep. Yeah, the, well, the crazy, crazy samurai Musashi. I believe that was he tried that. I'm not sure though. He did. So, so crazy samurai Musashi has an opening and an ending that are traditionally cut, and then the middle of the movie, about the middle 50 minutes or right, so, right. is one single continuous take. And I will tell you, having seen that movie, there's also a reason why you don't shoot action as one single continuous take because right. it gets kind of it's hard to do any narrative i mean crazy samurai musashi is literally just 50 minutes of talk thwacking people over the head with his sword uh and, and that's all there's no narrative there's no drama there's no even real acting it's just and i like that that movie exists because i like to talk is such a for people who don't know Tak Sakaguchi, he starred in Versus and and uh, several Japanese movies. He is a legitimate certified madman, uh, and and he did this because he wanted to show that he could. But as a <laughs> movie, it doesn't actually really, in my humble opinion, doesn't work that well. Uh, I, <clears throat> we're not no. going to have that problem with one shot. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> no, and, and to be honest with you, I I, I generally prefer a well-cut fight scene to a oneer. I, I generally aesthetically like, I just love a, a well-cut 
anything. Like I, I actually, it's part of editing that is like the magic and the fun of it. But if you really do consider it all and it, and it all is, is kind of, you know, like I, I think James said, this one's been in the works for like six years in his head and it's all designed that way then that's that's kind of something different altogether and and um yeah you know there's things like in 1917 that i thought sometimes being in the one take does make it feel like strangely faker in a weird way because you'll have like him next to a bridge where like the truck just let him off and then he walks like 10 feet and that the, all those guys are gone because it's like yeah it's just felt like a video game. Like they just yeah. disappeared as an apparition. And yeah. then he's going across the bridge. And you're like, wait, aren't those guys just like right behind him? <laughs> like you're, you're, you're not getting that, uh, you know, th that sense of, of, of time getting, you know, shortened with a, with a cut from him went from the truck pulling away and then a cut to a different location. Like that actually helps for, in my mind's eye, at least make things more uh, grounded than when you're staying in, in, in these long takes and things. Also like the video game intro of them, like going in and like mm -hmm. standing and he's like, why don't you boys come around here where the camera looks better? And it was like, you know, there's stuff like have this, that. Have this cutscene chat with me. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so there, there's parts of it that, um, you know, you can feel the strain and that I, I generally prefer cuts in, in, in general. That's kind of one of the, the, the things that you just learn about yourself when you edit a lot, you're like, Oh yeah, no, this, I, I, I would try different winners in, in scenes. And I generally would end up liking them better when I put in the thing that I said, I wasn't going to use. And it would always be like my producer being like, why don't you just get her reaction in the middle of this? I'm like, Oh, you coward. We're never going to use this. And then I ended up putting the reaction in the middle of the winner. I'm like, yeah, that's better. Like, you know, no one cares. They, it's just about the movie. They're not. Um, but yeah, as, as far as um, that, that, that whole, uh, the, the, the idea of that being a gimmick or whatever, it, I think it is just depends on it being like um, everyone being on the same page and designing it that way from the beginning. Right. Which is, is, it's not like some script that some director came on and was like, now I want to do it as one shot. It was all kind of uh, part and parcel. Well, and I will say, I probably shouldn't say this, but who knows if, they, I mean, this is our trial run episode. We may or may not release it, but I, I will say uh, the one shot aspect of it is, and this is maybe one of the best compliments I can pay to the movie. It's so good. I actually stopped noticing it about 10 minutes into the movie. That is the best compliment you could give to it. I, I think it, it's because your brain is just into the story. And then afterwards you, you take a sit back, sit, you know, you sit back and go, Oh my God, how the fuck they do that. That's amazing. That's, yeah. that's what you want. Yeah. Okay. Wait. So yeah, I want to kind of take a jump off here, off the cliff here. Cause uh, get this free flow going. So you mentioned the thing about the uh, video game and the one shot uh, thing, right? So like, we're talking about it. So in more recent news, uh, hopefully people have seen by now, around the world, the most recent and uh, last installment of Craig Bond's era of 007, uh, No Time to Die. And I want to put that out because uh, there is, uh, this is directed by uh, Carrie Fukunaga. Uh, there is a very, really impressive, uh, without, I want to avoid spoilers because I don't know if people have seen it or not. So. I haven't seen it, but I don't, yeah, yeah. you can spoil well, it. Yeah, yeah, well, there, there is a very impressive, uh, somewhat climactic uh, one-take action sequence uh, that you put, uh, Craig and the director carry full off, and it's just uh, again, it's like it's uh, it's very, it's so effective because it's at once visceral and crisp. Because uh, you know, uh, well, throughout I think the the Craig era Bond is he's had this uh, 
the whole atmosphere. He's a very he's a he's very much the thug, the goon of the of her Majesty's service. But he still has a um, he still has that crispness and uh, tacticality in all his movements that we see throughout his all these films. So and that comes into play. So this sequence that you'll see hopefully very soon is so iconic of that. It's just a kind of raw animal action sequence. But he's still he's still double seven. He's still you know the 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 crack boxman. Uh, you know the 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 one shot one kill kind of guy. So and again and then and it reminds me as you mentioned video games similar to uh if guys if people have ever played the uh, Metal Gear Solid you know the ninety eight PS one game uh, there's a sequ- few sequences or well, one particular sequence when you got to go up the comms tower to fight the uh, liquids like this is so nerdy oh my god you guys don't know. no 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 <laughs> I, I played I played I played the one with the with the blonde guy that nobody liked at first but now it's like uh, yeah yeah that, that's definitely that's the one. That's part that two? two. That's part two. Yeah, yeah that, that was. I played, Solid 2, I played right? that in college. So yeah, yeah. I, I, Radio <laughs> well, yeah, was his name, yeah, right? Yeah, no, but so when you get one, that is a scene where you gotta battle your way up this uh, big tower. And again, it it felt it was almost, if not visibly visibly, visibly identical, like the the atmosphere of it all was like that tense. You gotta charge up this tower to the destination to you know stop the madman. And and of course. And that that uh, relationship, I talked about some Twitter a few days ago about um, that relationship of how film influences games, and then games now influencing the films that is the circle that's going on. So yeah, and and and, he, and I think uh, and also you'll see if you look up on uh, believe it's an IGN interview with Carrie Fukunaga, he says explicitly that uh, uh sound design uh that he's seen in video games like Call of Duty or the modern action shoot action uh, shooters very directly influenced how he designed design for design the sound rather for no time to die. You can, can kind of you can hear it. You can also see it and feel it. Like I said in this particular sequence. So yeah, just a uh, this has an interesting point about this talk about this one take and how uh, the whole circle of video games and film coming together. And we're seeing this, you know, now uh, we're living this now. It's really fascinating. So. I had a little of that on um, on the last the last film I did, um, Skylines, which is obviously Aliens was the the uh, chief influence, but then Aliens influenced halo games which i was obsessed exactly. with the first three and then i you know was drawing from the halo games as well and even some of the the guys who made who worked for bungie and made the original uh halo kind of reached out to me on twitter and 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 kind of like they they noticed of course and we yeah. and they were vibing and they were like oh it's it's pretty cool that this whole you know circle happened and uh and, and that that was just one of those moments where you're like oh I, I they all they all seemed really cool and they all kind of took it the right way that it was it was me yeah. being like i i love these these games and, and it, it kind of inspired uh, a whole other element to to the film so that is pretty cool yeah and i really appreciate you know like the having this is part where i blow smoke up your ass not i really appreciate having you know the younger generation directors like yourself that like understand intrinsically this uh the sensation of how how powerful video games can be. Not in the, you know, oh, I'm gonna I'll do a, a true to life copy of Resident Evil costumes. No, no, no. It's like the actual sensation is what you can bring out of in these in these films. On top of you know making a solid picture on its own, it's you know it's, it's, I think that for a long while, they even the mention of video games and movies were you know kind of met with the scoffed at you know like a, oh right. it's kind of a cheap like you know because people I think in their minds still kind of remember the Super Mario brother or our Street Fighter with Van Damme. They had kind of had these to have that uh, poor image of video game movies in their head, but no, it's, it's a whole different thing now. It's like 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 what you're doing. You're, you're, you and Carrie and all these newer directors, you have you know, that sensation to the film, and it mixes and it compounds it all. That's the first time anyone's put me next to Carrie, uh, so I'm going to just <laughs> thank you for that. 
um, but no, yeah, absolutely. Um, Mike, do you have anything to, to add to, to the one shot or should we, should we move on? Or do you guys want to quickly talk about the other little film trailer that came out this week for the Batman? I think we, I think we, we probably have to talk about the Batman. I, like I said, I don't want to say any more about one shot. I agree with everything you guys said. I'm still embargoed. I don't want to lose that sweet, sweet screener access. So I don't want to break the rules. Um, you won't, you but won't. I, you're, you're I, basically you're, we're, we're selling the movie for them. How, fair like, enough. They're, never, they're not going to be mad. Fair enough. Um, but I do think we need to talk about the Batman uh, because that is obviously a, you know, that just came out as of, us recording it came out yesterday um and so the internet has been when they're not fighting about halloween kills the internet has been a flutter with the batman trailer so i think we need to 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 talk about it so uh liam what did you think of the trailer uh i thought it looked great um but at the same time i i kind of understood like you know my little twitter interaction to bring into the action twitter thing was um you know, I, I retweeted a, a great writer, um, Brian Edward Hill, who was saying like, people don't realize that like each movie is, is going to be someone else's way in to a property. And I think there's a lot of self-obsessed people in the world. And I think social media has only made us more self-obsessed and they just kind of, they, I mean, I do this too. I'm just as guilty. I see the story of my life as the story of the universe. And you're like, there was a Batman movie when I was seven that was I was in love with. Then I move out to LA. I'm like 22, 23. I see Batman Begins, and that like it was an explosion of awesome that then kicked off this whole other period of movies and in in a weird way my life. And now I'm like I'm gonna be 40, almost 40 when this new one comes out. And so it's kind of insane to be like these are all for me, <laughs> and that I am the only person to to be the the sole judge of these. And well, you you are. I already liked the Christian Bale one, so why are you making more? And it's like, all right, guys, it's a business. And um, the, you know, my kids, I haven't been able to get my son to watch the Keaton Batman. I haven't been able to get him to watch the Bale Batmans. He watched the Affleck ones. He liked him enough because he liked Teen Titans and, uh, <laughs> and, and like it, and, he, and other than that, he has had no interest. So this, this could be the thing that then kicks that off and, and brings that whole cycle. And we watch all the old ones. And I, and I think just having, you know, I've, I've got four kids now at, at various ages. So I'm a little bit more open to not believing whatever I think is, is what matters anymore. I realize that like, you know, this whole thing is fluid and um, and the the stuff that people clown on, they, they just don't know. It's it's a different relationship to like time and media and all that. And I'm not trying to defend the fact that we keep getting the same reboots and, and stuff like that. I'm just saying it's just a fact. And I think a lot of people forget that, um, you know, not everybody's seen every movie and that like every single day a kid is turning 12 and a kid is turning 12 and he's and he's discovering new things and he's looking for new things. And it is literally the studio's job to sell him those things. So anyway, that, that's my takeaway. <laughs> Vice, what do you think? Yeah. Well, yeah. So actually to kind of build that, uh, the whole like uh, business culture aspect, you know, yes, you have, you're, you're doing these for Batman is a kid's movie. You know, that's kind of the, uh, the weird mantra that, you know, that even though in the modern day with the rise of superhero films, you know, it's, it's more yeah. all ages than for kids. So you're gonna have to do, contend with this whole uh, the toxic fandom, as it were, of grown or 
or more adult people who are still kind of obsessed with these characters. So, you know, all to say is um, you're going to, along with the people, when these trailers come out, when these properties come out, these films, because with this character, the Batman, there's going to, is always going to, well, maybe now more than ever, perhaps, it's kind of a weird uh, fanboy element to it that you got to contend with. But, you know, that, that's, that's what, it is what it is. That's the business. But then as far as the psych- film fans, it was actually like a, yeah, this is like a, what now, the fifth, sixth, seventh iteration of Batman on film. Right. So the question for just the general moviegoers is like, uh, what's, what can you, what's new? What, what can you bring new to this? Because, you know, like you said, uh, people are generally into that. They want to see, oh, the Batman, he's a cool character. He's, you know, that lasted for decades. So people, they want to buy into it, but at the same time, they're kind of like, well, now what, now what do you have? You know, a similar problem or issue that we had with uh, the previous Spider-Man, Spider-Man on film, you know, as, and they've all had great success in various forms. But people also say, well, you know, why did another the Spider-Man? What's you know, what's new? So here, that what we're seeing in this new trailer for the Batman, um, directed by Matt Reeves, you know, of uh, most famously the most recent uh, Planet of the Apes reboots, which right. were fantastic films, you know. Right? Speaking, you know, I, and I, which is I think probably the, the first point to make is that um, he was able to take a you know reboot or re- property, that, you know, and again people are so they say the sick of reboots, the sick of remakes, the sick of properties, and he made this fantastic really really uh poignant kind of modern fable or allegory out of this so of much better series. than they had any right to be right like, exactly. absolutely so much better than they had any right to be yeah yeah so so like so knowing that he's on this now i kind of have faith you could say of okay i'm interested, interested in seeing what this guy can do with this property and maybe he can bring some new stuff to it and so uh in the trailer itself the footage uh well I guess it's kind of arguable if there's anything new. Um, it's certainly <laughs> well, yeah, it's certainly well done. You know, yeah. it's certainly everything looks crisp and uh, it looks like there's colors, you know, and there's this imagery. It's, it's, it's not, uh, it, there's definitely the, um, we still have the uh, aftertaste of the uh, gritty, dark and gritty superhero era that kind of Nolan and Snyder brought in for better and worse. You know, I'm not, I'm not defending uh, it. That's just the, the time we're in now, the, how they've evolved. So there's definitely that element to it. Um, but the, the, again, there's still a little more. Um, it definitely seems like I have a maybe not edge, but a little more freakiness to it, you know. Like, uh, kind of, I, I, people kind of make fun of uh, the first images of Robert Pattinson, you know, who's playing Batman, playing Bruce Wayne in this iteration, having the uh, emo makeup and such, and the uh, leather uh, uh SM kind of get up, that, yeah. Like, like the actual in this, in this version, as we've seen in this, this new footage, the Batman's cowl is kind of like leather in the face so it was like he's like there was a like freak shit with him and uh catwoman which is played by uh uh zoe kravitz oh. the incredible the amazingly amazing uh, zoe kravitz yeah you know, and also a great actress as well <laughs> so you know so this is kind of a this newer element that some people see it that are interested in um but the thing that caught me more the most was uh as an action hound like an action fiend what was what's it gonna like feel like uh, action wise and i think uh for my taste, there was some uh, pretty impressive uh, moments there in the trailer. Uh, one thing people probably pointed out maybe the most was the uh, was a uh, dark hallway scene with it. All you see is just gunfire, but the, the, the goons are attacking Batman, and you see him, you know, take him out one by one in, a, in this hail of gunfire, where it's just the flashes or just the uh, little flash is, is the only source of light. Um, you know, and, and people are very impressed by that. Uh, and it's, it's so, and it's for this film, it looks it looks like a. Because uh, Greg Fraser is the uh, DP, director of photography, and uh, he also recently did uh, Rogue One, the Star Wars story, one of the recent Star Wars films. And of course, in that film, Rainbow, there was yeah. a famous, uh, the last or final scene uh, sequence where Darth Vader shows up. And again, it's this long hallway scene 
and he's destroying the uh, the rebel soldier guys. And all you see is like the his red red saber and the muzzle flashes. So it is, I think there's definitely that uh, you can see that 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 motif that 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 imagery kind of re 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 itself, and it's a good effect. I think uh, this looks like a pretty really solid, really striking imagery, even if you know, like as I said, it might be having with the same kind of grittyish um, uh, grounded take that Nolan was going for. Well, arguably. Um, but no, I think there's, I think I think there's enough new stuff here, enough good-looking stuff here that uh, warrants you know uh, positive or optimism. I think uh, I think I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'll definitely want to give it a chance. So, the thing that I do like about superhero stuff is everybody has their version of Batman, right? Everybody right. has their version of Spider-Man. You grow up reading these comics. There's some stuff in this trailer that really, really rubs me the wrong way, um, but. I am fully on board with the fact that that is stupid nerd bullshit. And that's just, that's just me. Like for me, I don't, I cannot stand a Batman that wears body armor. Every live action Batman has worn body armor. And the whole point of Batman is he doesn't need to wear body armor because he doesn't get fucking shot. And so this idea of that scene where he's walking down the hallway. And so that that's from the comics. He's just not wearing body armor. That yeah, sounds no. crazy to me. Because he's sounds, a tactical sounds, ninja. He doesn't, yeah, he, he doesn't get shot. Uh, <laughs> it, okay. Me, this is actually funny. To me, for me, uh, Marvel's Netflix Daredevil yeah. is more Batman than the live action Batman because he doesn't wear body armor and he gets the shit kicked out of him all the time. And uh, and 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 it shows the wounds and the injuries and stuff like that. But again, yeah, I was a big fan of that show. It was great. This is stupid nerd bullshit on my part. This is hashtag not my Batman. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I, but I, I think that's why that's why I, I like talking to you because like you have self awareness, whereas yeah. a lot of people get on here and they go crazy and they don't realize you know what they're lacking. But what I or just what I was going to jump in real quick and say is like, do you do you guys remember after the Dark Knight when everyone was putting up like fake Riddler Part Three? posters and it was like this is that movie yeah, there was absolutely like a, yep i mean you guys are all you guys are all like a, that, that same time frame everyone was like oh they're gonna have dicaprio play the riddler and, and, it's, and it's gonna be like seven and i was wondering if that's maybe why people are burnt out on it too because like we all collectively imagined this movie yeah, at some yeah. point in 2008 we were all like okay the riddler's next let's do this and Maybe it's smart because he's delivering on something that we all felt like was the natural step and, and, you know, Nolan went his own way. Um, so yeah, I, I, the, the other thing that's interesting from an action standpoint, is you talk about body armor is I think it, it he just feels like the most vulnerable Batman uh, on, on film by a long shot. You know, Michael Keaton is not a big guy, but just looked like a grown ass man. Cause uh -huh. he's just got so much like intelligence and, and gravitas that you're like oh that's a, that's a man whereas yeah. uh, even though robert patterson's probably older than michael keaton was he just looks like a younger guy he's got a very lit frame um so i remember on that first trailer when they were like those it was like all these grown men that were like the batman's here in the and when he like walked into the room there was just <laughs> something wrong about it to me it was like it did look like like some like like you said freaky dude like in a in a in an SM gear thing just like showed up to a crime scene and all these grown men are like what do you what like it kind of it made me think about it in a way that i hadn't thought of and i think that's also just getting older yeah. but you know christian bale's a big guy um and and affleck you know 
he got quite large and those uh, surprisingly put on a lot of muscle uh, in a short period of time uh, for his Batman. So I, I think that's kind of an interesting element though, too. It was like, you're saying that the, like, like in daredevil, um, Charlie Cox was not a big guy. He had, he was in great shape, but it was not like this overwhelming physical presence. So I think, you know, that could be a, a different new element um, in general is that this, this does, he feels younger than Christian Bale did and begins. He feels like he's kind of, uh, you know, starting out in a weird way. Yeah, but you get never underestimate the power of a scrappy little white guy because, like, you know, like, 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 they're the kind of guys you don't want to fight. Those kind of guys, I don't want to fight. I'm, I'm, I'm 270, man. I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight. You don't want to fight. You don't want to fight someone in like in 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 goth makeup who says, I don't care what happens to me. You're like, yeah, oh, that's right. not going to end well for you. Nah, you can't do that shit. But no, it's funny because, like, uh, yeah, I'm thinking about uh, again, action wise, how he's coming off in this trailer. Like, you know, like, 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 he has that that kind of almost kind of maybe not feral, but uh, yeah. If this skinny dude in this SM gear can is not afraid of you, that's already a, a, a red flag, as it were. And I also, I'm thinking back to uh, you mentioned Michael Keaton's Batman. I think uh, it might have been out of perhaps necessity the way Burton filmed it, or I'm not sure if it was a stylish choice or just because uh, the way because he could because Keaton literally couldn't move in the suit, you know? Yeah, he could. Like back in the day, like this. Yeah. So, so when he fought, he had like these kind of like the karate scalp or these. The kind of style one strikes like when he's fighting the guy, the uh, the sword guy, when he's coming towards yeah. him with the sword, he's like, he's like the one, one palm strike. So, I think in that in his films, that movement, the more crisp, sharp one take one shot takedown was kind of what helped define him. Then, you know, when Bale came along with the uh, that's when um, what was it called? The uh, the key say the, the kind of street fighting or the tactical street fighting style kind of started coming up. So, you know, you kind of see him doing his little. You kind of also, but like in a more like a rough and tumble sense. And then you had when, when the bat flip came around, you know, got, he did his uh back cross fit, you know, he got slow. So you just, <laughs> and then, but anyway, so Snyder, Snyder let loose, but let him do the full, the full like acrobatic, the full uh clobbering time kind of Batman, where you see him dynamically using his, his raw power to, to defeat the goons. So yeah, and then, and then in this trailer, I see you kind of see uh. The Pattinson Batman is like he's got somebody down and he's punching over and over like bam, 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 like 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 he's like 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 feral in a way. So I'm really interested to see how that comes off too because like you know like maybe he, he has to be that violent or that or that crazed. Right. It's a little you know? it's a little bit like an MMA fight where you got to knock the guy out. They just keep hitting him over the bridge of the nose because yeah. you can't risk him getting up and stabbing you in the back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> see, I'm really looking really forward to see how, how he comes off physically. Well, as well as, you know, emotionally and all that, you know, because because uh, I, I've made a bunch of memes, too, about the, he looks like, you know, like the My Chemical Romance Batman, you know, with the, like, the eyeliner and stuff. It's great. But it's, it's, like, you should keep it, doing it. I love it. <laughs> well, you know, like that, that's, that's part of, like you said, that it's just every 12-year-old is being introduced to Batman. But also, like, you know, kids, people who are grown up with all the Batman, now they kind of, and also that, you know, they were, they had an emo phase when they were 12. And now they're at the age now where, like, that same emo kid, that that uh, emo spirit is being rekindled with this Batman, you know? <laughs> so I think it's like, yeah, yeah, emo kids, I can tell you as one, emo kids never <laughs> grow out of being emo. It's always <laughs> It's kind of like the way when you get the chicken pox, the shingles virus stays in your spine, like the emo virus is also there right next to it. It's yeah, it's just you you put a bottle of black nail polish in front of me, I will absolutely paint my nails and I will not be able to help myself. <laughs> yes, there you go. Yeah, the, 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 the emo Batman. It's gonna be great, man. I'm looking forward you know, to <laughs> there there was like a segue in there somewhere, and this is me trying to learn uh being a podcast host in real time, but like we're, we're we're talking about 
Batman 89 to Venom, Let There Be Carnage. And uh, that was one of the movies I saw this week. My my general pandemic go-to is to go to the new release movies like two weeks after they're out on a Tuesday and there's no one in the theater. You know, there was like two other families and I brought my uh, 12-year-old son and my eight-year-old daughter. And um, and there was definitely a big church showdown at the end. And it, it gave me a lot of a 89 uh, flashbacks. It also made me appreciate how good some of the practical effects still hold up on, on Batman 89. <laughs> like that, that, that bell tower or that, that, that the, uh, sorry, the, the, the cathedral thing. Yeah. The, the cathedral. The, gremlin was the bell. Right? Well, it's the bell when it drops down the oh, stairs and yeah, it yeah. takes it out each time. Like that is incredible, uh, effect shot still. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so what, what we were talking about though, with, um, with getting in shape, uh, you know, doing all of the hard work to become, Batman or any type of Marvel hero like Daniel Craig is like, oh, God, these James Bond movies. I have to fucking kill myself to get into the shape for these. And our and our guy, our man, Tom Hardy, has just like he's found the perfect franchise where he doesn't have to do fucking anything. (laughs) (laughs) He must noises or Grover Grover voice. Yes. Yes. He is basically acting, you know, with his favorite actor himself doing a Muppet voice. And anytime the action like he can, there's a couple of stuff, especially in the first movie where he's like busting through walls and and he's on all these wire rigs getting slammed around by Venom. It's definitely hard work. I'm not trying to shit on any of it. I like it. But it is really funny that like as soon as any of the stuff gets super crazy, he turns into a cartoon and (laughs) it's like, all right, we're done today. (laughs) Uh, What what a gig. What a great thing. And he's one of those guys that obviously he's in, um, you know, the Dark Knight Rises and he got in in crazy shape for that. Warrior is one of my favorite sports movies, I'd say, of the past like 15 years, especially a new one that's not like, you know, Creed's probably still at the top. But uh, that was a great kind of new one um, that that really put Frank Grillo on the map for me as well. Um, But yeah, it's kind of uh, it's kind of just amazing that he's he's figured this thing out and it's become this huge fucking hit. I, I, some of it kind of boggles my mind. I do think, you know, one of those things about like being an action Twitter brain compared to the normal world is that I don't, I think most people out there think the Venom movies already are in the MCU. I don't think they, they know the difference. I I still will like talk to my relatives about, you know, they think the X-Men movies and, and all those things are connected as well. They don't quite, get uh, all the licensing agreements that uh, the nerds on Twitter do. Um, So I do think that that's been a big part of it. They did a good job of kind of approximating what the the MCU look was, but without a doubt, it is all him. Like I I still got to give him a a ton of credit for kind of figuring out this thing that no one thought was really going to work. And now it's like a bonafide, you know, uh, just crazy success franchise for him. Although I am kind of curious because uh, Tom Hardy, because again, in relation to video games, from my last I heard, he's still in the works trying to produce or develop the uh, Splinter Cell uh, film or a series, I believe, I believe it's a film. The Splinter Cell, of course, the famous uh, Tom Clancy Ubisoft uh, video game with the uh, super spy Sam Fisher. And he's supposed to be playing him. So yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, this kind of, he has this new franchise of his own, really, the Venom, you know, he can kind of go out with. But let's. But if he's still on board with this Splinter Cell thing, he's gonna to have to once again get 
cut up and beefed get up. Get back in shape. Yeah, and get do back all the, in do shape. All the, get back on the gun range, all that kind of stuff. So I'm really curious that, you know, that's, but yeah, I haven't heard any news about that in a couple months, actually, so I'm not sure if it's still on the, on the track or not. Um, but yeah, I'd be curious to see if he, I, I, I can only imagine he'd rather do more Venoms, but, you know, who, who knows? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was like, I, one of my things when I, I rewatched the first one was just like, you know, a lot of movie stars or even just actors, they're just, you know, we they, if it's their whole entire way that they make money is their face. And Tom Hardy is just it's been such a good looking person for so long that he does not care if his face is even on camera or if it looks good. Like he yeah. he's like, yeah, yeah, put that camera underneath my double chin. It does it look. Can I make <laughs> it look worse? I think you guys need to put more sweat and slime yeah, all yeah. over my fucking nasty ass sweatshirt. <laughs> <laughs> like, like a used gym sock. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was just like, oh, no, no, I definitely don't have enough fucking like, you know, shit all over my crows to the feet. Just keep going. Uh, and so I, I just find that to be sort of fascinating. And, and it's it's sort of his superpower in general. Like he he's he's always kind of looking to cover his face or to make himself look, you know, as as unmovie star like as possible, and he and he still kind of somehow pulls it off. Yeah, yeah. So, I remember even with uh, the what was the time movie? I'm sorry. He was with he was the uh, pilot in World War Two. Yeah, uh, the other double joint. He's like, uh, he's like, can he, I wear a mask? I'm in yeah, the entire time, <laughs> the entire film, and yet it's just eyes alone, and, the, and his voice he he conveys so much emotion and and and, and story. He's, yeah, he's he's probably one of the best living actors right now. You know? I've said this about a couple of other actors. Brad Pitt's another one that comes immediately to mind, which is they are quirky, weird ass character actors cursed to be in leading man actors bodies. <laughs> and and some of them, like Tom Hardy, almost seem to actively rebel and fight against that right like you watch a tom hardy performance and you can tell he's almost pissed off how hot he is like he wants <laughs> he wants to look like danny devito like I, I, think, I think i think he more than anyone maybe ever though i don't even yeah. think there's i don't even think there's a number two yeah that, of like no, who yeah. else is 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 this against their own looks yeah and is this and, hot yeah and so he does and that's what i love about the venom movies is they still have to have him look like Tom Hardy uh, because they got to sell that mar. Even though it's not MCU, they got to sell that Marvel thing. But then, yeah, he goes I, like he's. I haven't seen Let There Be Carnage yet, but I will just never forget watching the first one and that scene where he jumps in the fucking lobster tank <laughs> and starts eating the lobsters. And I'm just like, no Academy Award worthy actor is ever going to do this except Tom Hardy. Only Tom Hardy is just going to be like, and I think it is just because he knows the kind of movies he's making, but he's also easily bored. And so he wants to do something <laughs> to keep himself entertained. Wow, you know, that's great. Yeah. It's like Dark Knight Rises. Like He didn't have to do that voice. He did not have to do that voice. And I guarantee you, Christopher Nolan did not ask him to do that voice. Right. Tom Hardy showed up one day and was just like, well, Christopher, I think I'm going to talk like this. And, and Nolan's just like... I get whatever, like, do, yeah. do you, you know, and, and it rules because for as many problems as I have with that movie, Tom Hardy's performance of Bane is legendary. We yes. joked about it 10 years later and we're yeah. going to joke about Venom. 
10, 20 years down the road, like the guy is making memories and God love him for doing that. Yeah. And I, I, I think he really actually needed this movie in this franchise to, to kind of hit where it did. Um, you know, I know um, Mad Max is obviously a huge um, cultural hit and it made money, but at the same time, it was sort of like an outlier. And a lot of his movies kind of were either really small or they just didn't really have like the commercial backup for his sort of stature within and now this is like solidified him that, you know, it's at least bought us another 10 years of crazy Tom Hardy lead <laughs> movies. So that's why I, I, I'm really happy that it it kind of worked out the way it did. Well, and make no mistake, the Venom movies are the success they are, I think, because of Tom Hardy. Like, yeah, like, like people may have gone and seen the first one because they're like Venom fans and they wanted to see what Venom. But people are going to see let there be carnage because they saw what Tom Hardy did in the first one. And they're like, I want more of that shit. Like I want to see more of. And and he's still like, you know how normally in these movies, the um, whoever the new villain is kind of steals the show. Uh, Not for me on this. I still thought he was by far the show and he's just incredible. And I was doing the fucking venom voice to my kid, my kids and animals around the house for the, the next week. Like, Do it. Or I jump brain. And I just kept kind of, it's been my running inner monologue since I saw the movie. Oh, yeah. well, to be fair, I think also do got to give credit to he's, he's that strong with, uh, you know, uh, vintage, Crazy Woody Harrelson in this mix too. You're doing who? Who is in fact? I've seen. Yeah, I saw it myself, and I wasn't a big fan of the movie, but I just appreciated that everybody was just going nuts. Like, uh, Naomi Harris is doing. I don't know. It's kind of weird baby voice. Like, everybody's going <laughs> the weirdest. Even Stephen <laughs> Graham is like a kind of like a, a drug addict kind of a, a detective. Like, it was just such, such a weird. Everybody's yes. going doing the weirdest, and it's it's okay because it's a Venom movie. So yes. I appreciate. At least appreciated that they, 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 there's a place. A space for that, you know. People, people always say, you know, I want films with, films with wild swings. Well, it's not getting any wilder than this shit. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I think I think it's interesting that Andy Serkis has directed it, and Tom Hardy, you know, kind of co-wrote it with uh, I think Kelly Marcel was the was the writer. It's like it, it is a very like actor driven film. You know, it's like yeah. it's it's not it, it, everything like you're saying. Like the actors are given yeah. the freedom to just go crazy. Yeah, because it's like, it's written and directed by actors for actors. Yeah, like, because the actual the, the, the plot machination is you know pretty bog standard you know '90s superhero stuff. Honestly, you know. It's yes. Like, yeah. Which so, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and, but, and you know, a, it, a '90s superhero runtime too, which is yeah, again, yeah, yeah. I think that if, if these things overstayed their welcome and they were like two hour twenty minute ones, I just don't. I think that it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, so, they yeah. they figured out some sort of sweet spot with these things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, the audience is responding to it, you know, it's making what they made ninety million dollars in the opening weekend or whatever. So yeah, people it's are crazy. It, man. <laughs> well, and that's I'm glad Liam, I'm glad you brought up Andy Circus because I think he's the perfect director. Like I hope he continues to make these because he's the perfect director for this, because he's weird as hell too. Yes. And so, like, I know Hardy and Ruben Fleischer, the director on the first one, they butt. They they did not get along. That was a movie, and and, and I think Andy Serkis. Why it's magical though? You yeah, can feel and, it. Yeah. You can feel but, the tension. But I think Andy Circus <laughs> is very much on that wavelength of like, no, do your weird shit. Let's do it. Let's just yeah. go. Let's just let's just, let's just make it happen. Yeah. Did you see um, his uh the Dungle Book movie, the Mowgli one on Netflix? 
That shit is not. fucking wild, bro. That's like it's like because I think who's here, Khan? I think it's uh Benedict Cumberbatch. I think it is. Yeah, it's Benedict it's Cumberbatch. A, yeah, yeah, and it's like it's just like a gangster ass, like bloody kind of movie. It's like I just really, like you're thinking, oh, I'm gonna see little kids. You know, kids look like uh, like you know with the uh, Disney style uh, book remake, whatever. Right. You know, this is like some like Law of the Jungle kind of shit, man. And it's yeah, it's Circus. Like, he's like he has that weird like all the faces. Away. It's a very strange film. You know, like you're right. Circus definitely has that that mentality about how to get how to translate that strange. Oh, especially you know, wording the uh, the voice slash face acting. You know, the uh, the CG. Right. Like, that, that's that's his realm. He's the the master, the god of that kind of stuff. So I I'm, I can only imagine maybe he uh, gave. Party some pointers or not? Maybe he said, "Go nuts." <laughs> yeah, I felt like they did just from a, a CG standpoint. Like, you know, the first one, they the way when the when the the venom would peel back in his head, it was almost like the correct um, proportions, but the correct mm-hmm. proportions look wrong. And in this yeah. one, they just were like, "Fuck it," like fake it. Yeah, and it looks better. And it, it's just it's one of those weird things that you'll get in when you're. Do, dealing with visual effects and 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 the the guys you're working with are like well that's the actual scale and the scale of this like spaceship is so fucking big that like you, you there's no lens that you have that's going to be able to fit it so you're like all right well fuck the scale we have to cheat and you know cheat i always say like cheating movies are the only thing where cheating are is a good thing uh <laughs> you know it's it's like it's used as a positive word constantly yeah. oh we'll cheat it we'll cheat that we'll cheat this um, and so that that was an interesting little vis- visual effects thing I noticed in this one. It was like, yeah, just make the venom thing the same size as his face. It looks way cooler than having him be like this cocoon face at the side of it. It didn't yeah. quite quite work in the first one. So, what is the next topic? Um, well, we could just talk about what is going on right now, which is we are in the spooky season of uh, of Halloween. I have not seen Halloween Kills. I actually have only seen the first three Halloween movies, but I've seen them like twice and uh, not really a huge slasher guy in general, but uh, seeing how everyone was talking so much about this one and, and it's, it's going to, it's available on Peacock right now. I, I, I decided uh, this weekend I was going to try to catch up on the old Halloween franchise. And I watched part four last night, which is why I'm hung over today because it had such a good twist <laughs> that I kept drinking and started watching part five. So I actually really enjoyed Halloween four. It was a little slow start. Um, but once it, it got its footing, I thought uh, it's, it's Dwight little, right? Like I thought that, that he knew where to put the camera. There's some good scares. There's some good looking people in it. And uh, I, and I, I, it kind of had a lot of the things that I think of with Halloween. Um, but it, it, it's this this sequel. I guess it's the one that kind of you could say made it uh, like this real franchise again because after part three it was going to all go away. But yeah, the, I I know Mike, you saw Halloween Kills, right? Yeah, I did, um, and uh, I have tried <laughs> to avoid most of the discourse. I I am not a fan. Um, I know lots of people seem to be a fan. It seems to be the movie that's currently the Twitter. Uh, you know, we're going to define our identities by whether we like this movie or not, you know, and those are always fun and, yeah. uh, and useful, uh, uses of our time. 
(laughs) For me, the biggest problem with it, it, and I, you know, one of the things for people listening, we're going to keep this show positive. We're not interested in in bagging on stuff primarily for no other reason than Liam is still a working filmmaker and I don't want to (laughs) offend anybody that he Jason Jason Blum, hit me up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I will just simply say for me, I thought uh, whether, I, I don't think given the talent level involved, that it was incompetence. I think it was a stylistic choice. I think it was the wrong stylistic choice. The editing on the movie is one of the most atrocious editing <laughs> jobs I have seen in a very long time. Interesting. Um, there so is, is it, is it, is it like editing within the action or do you feel like the overall movie has been like paced both, up too much? Both, both. It is, it is edited in such a way from a narrative standpoint that I feel like you could take most scenes, put them in a blender, rearrange them, and the movie wouldn't be any less coherent. Uh, and then within individual scenes, particularly the kill scenes, you know, as, this is an action podcast. So you guys all and anybody that follows me knows how seriously I take editing and action scenes and how I fucking hate overcutting and a fight scene. Well, Kills in slasher movies are basically fight scenes and yeah. they are overcut to hell in this. They are, there is no impact. They They're so away. weird. They're so weird when you break them down shot by shot, like that shotgun kill in Halloween four last night, I kind of rewound it three times and it's like, it's a frontal on the shotgun. And then it's like her lifting. And then it's the weird that like all of a sudden you're on the backside of the wall and the shotgun's going through the wall and then she's hanging and it works, but it doesn't kind of make sense. No, and this one's so much worse uh, as far as that goes. Um, I just, I, I'm not a fan of this movie. Um, I know lots of people are. I have tried to avoid engaging with people. I had have had a couple of discussions yeah. with people on it, but, you know, I always want people to like it. Um, I will say Halloween 4, Dwight H. Little directed my beloved Rapid Fire with Brandon Lee. Dwight H. Little was a pro, is a pro. He's not, he's still with us and still still with us um he's a pro and uh he knows where to put the camera man those the that movie uh the more i got into it the more i was like this is it it it, and then i i looked at people's lists and it is kind of considered at least one of the top yeah you know ones in that franchise so that made sense but and he did the same thing with rapid fire he knew where to put the camera and to get the hell out of the way and let brandon lee and jeff amata's action team do their job and and not like get to he he's a very ego free director he's not very if you watch all of i see i i'm pretty sure i've seen every dwight h little movie and and in none of them you know sometimes we talk about authorial voice and that if you don't have one that's a bad thing when it comes to dwight h little i don't think it is i think he's just such an ego free director that he's interested in what's on the camera and what's on the screen doing the talking for him uh, so that yeah, my friend, Patrick Bromley always says, Dwight H little, you, my boy. So I'm going to just say that again, <laughs> Dwight H little, he is our boy. Oh, I'm looking at, uh, I, I'm a, I'm a big anacondas hunt for the blood orchid fan. And I always kind of, I, I had, I still have Johnny Messner stock. I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I, I feel like he should have been, uh, a bigger kind of a member of that, um, of that class of action movies and, I remember he did an absolute wild interview uh, when this movie came out and it probably answers my question as, as far as what happened. Cause it, it like ran in, 
I think it was the Boston Globe, so it, it probably got nationally syndicated, where he just one by one shit on every single other action star at the time. <laughs> and uh, and so I immediately was like, oh, my God, this guy is fucking he's he's, he's putting all his chips into the middle of, you know, of the table. And I, I became a fan of his. And I I actually tried to uh, I pushed for him. He, he read for Alien versus Predator 2, which was the first movie I worked on. And I was. Uh, a big cheerleader his uh behind the scenes uh, alas it didn't it didn't work out because i think it was like uh he'd just done anacondas 2 and now alien vs predator 2 the, there was like a feeling um that it was it was too similar that uh, uh that he would be this the kind of seen as this like sequel guy from within the studio not not on his side um but yeah that dwight little just kind of that came that full circle i've always i've always been a messner fan um, well, yeah, I haven't seen Halloween Kills yet, but also my uh, here's my movie sin confession. I haven't seen any of the Halloween films uh, yet because uh, I'm mainly I'm not a big horror guy. Yeah, because um, you know most of the <laughs> I fear the, the living more than the dead. Uh, but also, <laughs> no, but uh, but also you know I, I'm just a big not it's not my thing. But um, I did see the uh, I did see the first Rob Zombie one, which I thought was fine. It was like you know, it was a cool little horror little slasher. You know. But I I just wanted to see the seeing the the discourse uh, so far for this weekend about the movie, because I, I guess like a, it, is, it does seem pretty divisive in that there's, um, well, you, see, you might have seen clips of Jamie Lee Curtis doing the, the press tour of both the, the uh, Halloween 2018 or 2019, is that what it was? The, 18, the, 2018. 18. It's, yeah, been on so, my, you know, it's been on my DVR for three years. I still haven't watched <laughs> it. So I'm trying to get around to yeah. all this. So like, you know, this is thinking about this, big, uh, this whole uh, thematic, thing, thematic thing about the uh, Generational trauma, generational trauma, quote unquote. And so you know, now I, I see people having um, some issues with this 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 sequel, this new film, and that there's a pretty, I've been told, a, or to, to their liking, there's a bit of a too much uh, on the nose kind of a social allegory in the movie. Like, like Michael Myers represents this social ill now. Um, which is this, it's just funny because uh, I'm reading the comments of it all, and it sounds very similar to how. Um, Assassination Nation came out a few years ago. It sounds like that, like a, how there's this like very blunt on the on the nose kind of social commentary stuffed inside of this weird, uh, stature kind of horror, it's like the thriller movie. So it's just very funny to me to see that that kind of conversation for a Halloween movie, because uh, you know to me, like I said, I haven't seen, I haven't really seen. Any, so I'm like, uh, first of all, like, is this dude magic? He's like a zombie. Like, he's like, how does he keep being undead? Uh, you know, like. I mean, I mean, like, kind of rhetorically, like, I mean, I don't know, I gotta see the films and watch it, but like, just knowing that he's just some, like, undead dude who can, like, murder you real good, it's just kind of funny to that, that, that this is just, it's almost, not uproar, but, uh, this contention about the social commentary of it all, like, he's like a zombie, like, what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, like, Mike's seen the movie, but uh, some of that stuff is, like, people just gotta sell the movie, and they, you know, they're trying to feel relevant, and it's sometimes it's like the bullshit the director has to tell the actor to get them to sign on to the movie. It's like, look, ultimately, man, they're selling fucking popcorn. I mean, yeah. you, know, you can talk about this stuff all they want, but it's yeah. they're, they're selling the boogeyman and it's supposed to be, you know, a, a scary movie and, yeah. and all that other stuff can sometimes sometimes it totally makes sense. Like, I, and, and it still is a good movie and everything. Like, I think, um, yeah. like I said, I haven't seen this one, but yeah. A lot of that stuff is is like a, a you know a little bit like PR director you know BS. Yeah. 
because I know that there was some uh, similar kind of controversy, as it were, with the recent Candyman remake um, by director Anita Costa. And so far as like you know, like uh, that one was kind of a interesting conversation because the original film was itself kind of a pretty strong allegory about sure. you know, animus. So the, the kind of the way they updated it to this film was, like, I think, not too many people's taste. A little too much, uh, again, a little too on the nose, a little too uh, uh, obvious. Especially in the, in the wake of the, uh, the how do you say this, the post-Jordan Peele social horror kind of films. I think people are kind of uh, wary of that branding. So uh, I think some of that maybe, maybe has rubbed off on the Halloween PR kind of stuff too. But again, you know, it's just like still, like it's still like, like you said, it's like undead dudes murdering people. It's like you don't have to, you don't have to overthink this shit, you know. <laughs> well, and and that's for me because there there has been a lot of talk about the script, right? And uh, and how I mean, every character in this movie speaks in catchphrases. Nobody actually has human dialogue. They're they're all like, yeah, I, I love I love angry Mike. It's like he's just like he's the nicest person getting he's getting ahead of Steve. The, the thing for me is, is, is I will say just for me from the script, it over promises and under delivers. And I think that's why a lot of people are upset. But for me, I'm more. Look, it's a, it is. Vice, you're right. It's a slasher movie. It's about the boogeyman killing people. I ain't, I ain't aiming for high art here. <laughs> the The problem that I have with the movie is it's very similar to a certain video game uh, based tournament martial arts movie, that came <laughs> here, uh, which is uh, if, I'm, if I'm not aiming for high art, then give me my low art well. Uh-huh. You know, okay. if yeah. all I'm if all I'm looking for is undisputed three, if I just want to watch Boyka kick a bunch of dudes in the head and you give me a movie where it's cleanly shot, well put together and Boyka's kicking a bunch of dudes in the head, man, I look, I am not a snob. I am just going <laughs> to I'm going to hold that like a safety blanket and fall asleep, snuggling my my sweet, sweet Russian prisoner martial artist. Right. Uh, but if you're going to give me a slasher movie then give me a slasher movie that is the best slasher movie that you can do from a technical standpoint, especially when you're made by a lot of very, very talented people with a not insubstantial amount of money. Um, You know, again, trying to keep it positive, but I will just say that this was made for millions of dollars more than you've ever had to work with Liam. And oh, yeah. the, the, the fact that just the rights payment on this is more yeah. than I've had to work with. And so <laughs> the fact that you're giving me kills and all of these things that I want and they're chopped to shit and they're shaky cam and they're all sorts of different, you know, they literally cut away from the impacts. You know, if I see somebody stab you, I want to see them stab you. I don't want to see this cut away, cut back with the knife in you. Like I want to see the stabbing. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. That's what you're so, for, yeah, man. Yeah, and that, so that cause and effect. Yeah, that, that's yeah. What action, want. as I always say, action reaction, right? Action yes. reaction always has to be seen in the same shot, and uh, and that's that's my problem. But I do not. We we want to keep this positive. So I <laughs> no, it's fine. it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You're so no. Yeah. I'll say yeah. So Mike's positive review of uh, Halloween Kills is a uh, go watch *Malignant* instead. <laughs> yes, yes. But hey, <laughs> uh, *Halloween Kills* is streaming on Peacock right now, which is there another funny go. thing. <laughs> uh, the Peacock, like it didn't, 
it seemed like no, you know, nobody really has Peacock. Uh, I signed up for it because I wanted to watch like one of the Fast and Furious movies that wasn't on the normal streamers. And it was like a free trial. And I was like, yeah, sure. And now I've been paying like, I don't know, $8 a month for like six <laughs> months. And I forgot about it. Uh, and it's a hard one to cancel. Um, so I have it on there. It's lined up. I'm going to get get all those in and and uh, and we'll, I'll catch up with you. Uh, on, on how I feel about Halloween Kills probably in a month because that's how long it takes me to watch this many movies. Well, and I I love your editing and I know how much you take editing seriously. So I'm happy if you watch it and you're like, actually, Mike, you're up in the night. This is incredibly well edited. I would, okay. love, I would love that education. If I am wrong, I would love to hear that from you. <laughs> well, look, I'm going to... Let, let's try to, to we'll, we'll wrap it up and I'm going to touch on something that you just talked about, which was undisputed three. Um, we had a little bit of a thing this week where there was this uh, Twitter. Um, I guess that's a meme and it was pitch a movie in, in, in two images. And um, I, I did an image of Boyka and an image of, uh, of Wesley Snipes from the first uh, undisputed film. Uh, both looking like they're standing off and I just kind of put that out there and, and people seem to really enjoy that as a concept. And uh, then I was like, fuck it. I think I should just tell everybody. So I, I, you know, I've been doing my, my Atkins education this whole year, been watching it all. And I finally got to the undisputed films, I'd say about a month or two ago. And, uh, and after I watched the last one, I just had this idea of what I wanted to see in, in a part five, because, you know, the part four, uh, ends and it doesn't really have like it, it felt like it was an open place and a place that you could continue to build something on and um, so I, I I really sat down I was just going to write like a one page thing and it ended up being a, around 12 pages and then before I sent it to anyone I was like you know I should send this to Mike to see if I'm just completely out of my mind and uh, he was very very gracious to read it very quickly and get back to me and uh, let me know, like, eh, this is kind of exactly what he wanted to see in Undisputed 5 as well. So I've sent it out to a few people and, you know, I've very, very long shot. I never have done anything like that before where you're just kind of working like basically a fan fiction. But I happen to know people that work at those companies. So, you know, it, it might just end up being a, a conversation starter that leads to completely different things altogether. But, uh, yeah, sometimes you just got to shoot your shot. Wow, that's um, I'm in awe and you know inspired by that. Is it? Well, I mean, yeah, it worked for Ryan Coogler. He went he went straight to Sylvester Stallone and got Creed made. So, hey man, you never know, man. It's you never know. Anybody's game, know. man. <laughs> yeah, it just felt like you know all these other movies, you know, the Fast and Furious and all, and, and all these other franchises are like, you know, even that like what we're doing with with the Skyline films and uh, like our part four is bringing together the cast of Beyond Skyline and the cast of Skylines. It's like, it's what you're working towards. And I feel like these guys, I mean, those movies have a huge presence online and they have a ton of fans. And I know they've been developing a TV show for a while, but they just shouldn't go fallow for five years. They should have something new happening. And I feel like that's Scott's, you know, Rocky Balboa. It's, it's an iconic character. And I just, I instantly connected with him and got it and got what you guys were so passionate of, which the funny thing is I, I listened to your guys' podcast for part three before I wow. saw any of Boyka's anything. So I was like, wow, these guys are fucking rabid about this thing. I, I really got to <laughs> dig in. Um, but yeah, so to me, it, it, it just, it's like, even if this just makes somebody go, 
Oh, wow. We do have something really unique here that a lot of people love um, and, and helps, you know, the TV show or something else going, but they just should, it, there just should be a Boyka thing every three years, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Less Batman, more Boyka. I got you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's just me out there. <laughs> well, and that's, you know, I, I'm obviously in a bit of a weird position here because uh, I, I literally I know literally two famous people. One of them is on this podcast and the other one we're talking about right now. Yeah. So so I but I mean, this I also know that this is a character that I don't want to speak for him, but this is a character that Scott doesn't necessarily want to let go either. And so, yeah. um, you know, and I, I, I don't. You know, Liam, I, I cannot believe you asked me to read it. I'm so touched by that. I won't go into any details. I can just simply say that, yeah, uh, you get it. And and whether whether we come up with something, you know, whether it happens or not, um, I'm glad it exists and I got to read it because I'll still have it in my head no matter whatever happens. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely I, I i'll send it to you vice if uh if you if you have the time it, oh. it's a it's a real quick breezy read that'd be great i appreciate that very much man right. the, uh, inside baseball here <laughs> yes yes i think that's probably a good place for us to wrap it up um because i know i know liam you've got a heart out and and vice i know you've got some stuff to do as well so and we do want to keep these kind of breezy we're not trying to make this like a two-hour thing so um i think we're going to wrap it up here uh and again uh we're we're workshopping this. We yes. let us know. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you think of the format. Um, but if you, uh, and if you're our, our, the regular mutuals on uh, on Action Twitter, you know, to shout out a few like Brandon and and Stefano, and we'll have you guys on Jordan. We mentioned earlier. Uh, we kind of want to recreate the 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 general hangout vibes that that uh, we have in in the the conversations and the discourse and the three of us are going to be busy at different times and we're going to be rotating and stuff like that. Yep. So yeah. Popping out and um, come on. Yeah. So uh, I will just say first and foremost, vice, where can people find you? Where, where can they check you out? Um, so, uh, I have some stuff written on lootenbus.net. Uh, that's my kind of go-to station. Got a recent article on Polygon about snake eyes. You can catch me on that. Google that. But mainly I'm on Twitter at vice Victus where I'm talking shit. So you can catch me there. And uh, Liam O'Donnell, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, Twitter and Instagram, Liam Odin. And uh, again, talking shit, talking about kids and trying to say nice things about movies. And you can find me uh, primarily on Twitter at Hibachi Justice uh, and uh, where I often also am talking shit, but trying to stay positive. Uh, <laughs> so, um, all right, uh, gentlemen, this was a blast. Uh, we will redo this very soon. Awesome. Thanks, Thank guys. You. Thank you. Thank you.